Hello, and welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries, where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oaklawn Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. My name is Sean P. Rogan. I am the owner of UROC School of Music. I am a professional musician, father, a husband, and live in Edgewood. And all I do is music and get people to play music with any means necessary. And he, him, that's me. Cool. Um, my name's Hillary Jones. I use she, her pronouns. And I am a musician. I am a currently a consultant around gender equity, diversity, and workplace culture in the world of music, I guess. And I I teach a class occasionally at RISD, and I was formerly the director of Riot Rhode Island, or formerly Girls Rock Rhode Island, for about 10 years. That's me. <laughs> Girls <Okay>. Rock. <laughs> hey, you rock. You <laughs> Nice one. Nice one. Thank you both for joining us. So a little bit later in the show, if you couldn't already tell from our guest intros, we're going to talk all about music. Way back at the beginning of this podcast, we had a music episode more from the end of music appreciation, all of us as music consumers. But now this episode, we'll talk a little bit from the side of people who make the music that we enjoy and who teach people to make music so that the future generation can make music for us to enjoy. But before we get into that, let's start off as we always do with what have you folks been reading? I've been reading this book right here. I know you can't see it, but it's called Live Music Method, All Roads Lead to the Stage by Tom Jackson. And it is the most money I've ever spent on a book, first of all, <laughs> which I'm fine with because the, the value of it is insane. I've never, I, I've played thousands of shows it's what I do all the time, really comfortable on stage, but I've never analyzed it in a way that this guy does in this book. And it is blowing my mind. So many aspects that I never thought of, but uh, it's really, really a great book. Other than that, I read a lot of personal development, like self-growth, trying to be better. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks. But back in the day, it was Lord of the Rings, Count of Monte Cristo, all kind of fun books like that. How about you, Hillary? I I am also, I'm a person who's like, has for years and years almost strictly listened, uh, read nonfiction. And I recently had gotten into audiobooks a little bit more, which has been helpful in getting me to be able to actually read more as instead of just having the pile of books by my bed kind of thing. And I had been listening to The Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents by Octavia Butler which is a sci-fi Afro-futurist situation that, yeah, it's like... <laughs> Whoa, never uh, even heard of that. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, it's like, it's very like, people oftentimes compare it to like The Handmaid's Tale, like that kind of vibe, but it's it's useful in that it is, you can kind of like think about what what this alternative future could potentially look like. Also, people referenced her a lot because she had a president in in the book who's... Uh, na- who's whatever logo logo slogan was make America great again. And this is like 1998. So whoa. everybody's like, whoa, she predicted the future. Anyway. So. <laughs> wow. Just like everyone was like, whoa, the Simpsons predicted the future when the Simpsons had Trump uh, yeah. become president. You guys both like reference like future dystopia. I can't read that. It bums me out. <laughs> but you can also think about it as a positive. Like, you know, I mean, it's, this one's pretty dark, let's be real. <laughs> we're all the idea, die. Yeah, we're all going to die. It's going to be miserable, you're going to die. But it's interesting to think about, like, creating your own world, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, Sean was referring to a book recommendation that I gave before we started recording, and I was saying about how much I enjoyed uh, dystopian fiction. But for me, dystopian fiction is not about like this definitely is going to happen it's more about like looking at an aspect or sometimes multiple aspects that are like interacting with each other of our society and like what happens if we turn that up to 10 going forward into the future so i think it's really interesting if we think about like what happens if we take this issue um 
the the series I was talking to Sean about before we were recording was the Uglies trilogy by Scott Westerfield. So it was more about like, what if we take this issue of there being all of this conflict related to difference and erase that? It's almost like, what if we try to take equality up to 11, but to the point where we're taking away people's like autonomy and freedom in order to do it? Because the, the whole premise was that people get a surgery to become pretty when they're like 16, but pretty also means that like everyone's skin color is like this median color that's the same. And it's like a lot about sameness in order to try to fix society and like eliminate conflict. But then it's like you find out that there's more control that's happening and and that people's free will is take, being taken away. That reminds, reminds me a, a little bit of the book, The Power which is basically about this situation in society where something that happened during like, I don't know, was some explosion that happened during World War II, World War, World War II basically meant, made it so that all women had this thing called a, ska, a skein or something that like if, uh, if a woman touched a man that they could like zap them like an eel. So like all the women when they turned 16 had this power and that like how that would or wouldn't equalize society and how 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 power fits within that i guess and what what the future is without giving us you know giving away the end wow yeah it gets messy jeez fun times <laughs> uh, and kids books you know let's yeah exactly fair. i mean read a lot of kids books i i read a lot of kids books i have three yes. children so yeah. we're always reading books and actually one of my favorite kids books doesn't even have any words my wife hates it and i love it that you get to make <laughs> it up uh, she, my wife's a first grade teacher, and she's uh, she's an author and wrote wrote a kid's book. But she can't stand it because there's no words. <laughs> but that's funny because she plays music, and she would rather read sheet music. And I go I, months without reading sheet music. Like, I don't like reading sheet music at all, but I like reading books. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's kind of interesting. Hillary, do you find that you, as a mom, don't have time to read? Definitely less time to read, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's what the, I can listen to an audiobook while I'm like walking the dog or whatever. Like that's the time I have. Audiobooks are the greatest thing to happen to books since paper. I hear it a lot from people that we've had on the show and people who come into the library who say like, I wouldn't be able to read as much if it wasn't for audiobooks. And so I'm a big proponent of audiobooks, even though sometimes myself I struggle with it because the narration has to be really captivating in order yeah. for me to like stay with it and not like go look at Twitter and then like, oh no, I wasn't even listening to the last five minutes and I don't know what's happening now. But as a, as a genre and a tool for people to read, I think that it's amazing and I get, I get very upset when people are like, audiobooks isn't real reading especially like kids i like when they're all like well if you read the audiobook then you didn't do the assignment it's like no you did you consume you you consume the content exactly some people are more audible i have a question for you guys do you do more than one book or audiobook at a time like do you bounce between things or are you a start to finish as evidenced by my pile of books i'm i definitely get distracted and will not finish you know i'll scoot i'll scoot around which is Maybe not for the best, but how about you? Uh, I think I scoot. I do a bit of scooting. Yeah, I mostly, I'm a start to finish person. The exception being sometimes I will, if I'm in a prose novel, will hop over to a graphic novel if I'm really excited about the graphic novel because I know that I can sit down and finish that in one sitting, which kind of takes me into the thing that I've been reading for this week. And this is, I don't know how old all of your kids are, if this is a good, but it is a kid's book. I read it for work-related reasons to to find out about it. But I also wanted to read it because it looked like a lot of fun. It's called Dungeon Critters. Hmm. So it's a graphic novel about these anthropomorphized animals who are adventurers, like a la D&D, dungeon, classic dungeon crawl style adventurers, and just kind of like them going through one of their adventure that like a D&D campaign goes off on different offshoots where they end up here, there and everywhere and, and doing different things and having different fights. And it's very colorful. It's very fun. And I enjoyed it a lot for a kid's book. It's still like it wasn't too juvenile. I would say it's it's a middle grade graphic novel, which is 
industry speak for like late elementary school to early middle school, because like that's like a weird time where a lot of the books are overlapping in terms of interest area. So I was expecting it to be like on like a personal level to be kind of juvenile, but I ended up really enjoying it. It was fun. It had like witty jokes that were kind of like, not that any of them were inappropriate, but it was one of those things that kind of like, if you got it, you got it. And if you didn't get it, then it was fine. You could just move on to the rest of the book. So I had a lot of fun with that. So hopefully maybe you guys could share that with your kids or our listeners could share that with their kids. I have a five-year-old, so it might be a little off. Yeah. He, he definitely is drawn to all the graphic novels when we go in. We go into William Hall probably once a week and yeah, definitely leans really, really likes the graphic novels. My daughter's nine she's pretty deep into harry potter she's on her second pass which is pretty neat because i read them all before she was even born and we just went to harry potter world we had one of the the audible harry potters the book she was on because i was like don't take your book you're not going to read we're not going to carry this huge book to florida <laughs> you're not going to be reading so uh, we set up the book and she, we, she got home she's like i listened to this much and she like flipped to where she left off and continued reading I was like, that was pretty cool. And we didn't have to carry the book. And she really liked the experience. So she'll probably do another one at some point. The book I was talking about before without words, I just want to give it a proper shout out. It's called A Ball for Daisy. It's about a dog. It's great too. It's got a nice little story. Great. Yeah, I think... I think the the whole thing about like picture books without words is a really interesting like use of the genre because it's like picture books. So a lot of it is the illustration. There's already so much storytelling happening in the illustration so that books can be like, we can do this without words is, I think, really interesting. It's and a, can sometimes be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like it's all the same. Music, reading, art, it's getting people to feel feelings. Like, I know if I use a major seventh chord, it's going to make you feel more lovey and if I use a diminished chord, it's going to make you feel creepy. Like, so there, there's little things that you can, anyone can learn these facts and the way things work. But it's ultimately getting people to feel things, whether it's dystopian future or diminished like chord. a diminished chord, exactly. <laughs> or the dog's ball popped, which would be minor. And then the dog got a new ball, major. Other pieces of art that make us feel things sometimes can be movie and TV. And I know, again, as parents, you probably don't have as much time to enjoy those things as you once did. But are you guys watching anything currently that's that's making you feel things? My wife and I are in the process of moving for like two blocks from where our house currently is. But I feel like I'm living a renovation show because we, <laughs> we like those. And there was this one uh, where this uh, was escape to the chateau and these people bought a chateau in France and they fixed it up and they made like a beautiful business fit out of it and it was like really really inspiring so now we have this new house that needs all of this work done on it and we feel like we are living that show so we actually found some artwork on Etsy and we're gonna have it like hanging up it's like a, an artist's rendition of the chateau so when you walk in our house, that will be like the picture. So that that is a very inspiring show if you're looking for some inspiration. I hope you're knocking out the walls for an open concept. We certainly are. We, we've knocked down three walls. <laughs> yes. Who needs them? It's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. If you want to get some uh, some good wax and come oh, on yeah. over. Exercise. Yeah. <laughs> Hillary, what are your shows? You know, we don't watch a lot of shows. Most of the time, I'm either watching a show with my kid or uh, the only show I'm really watching right now is Shit's Creek while I'm working out. And that's it, which is, you know, hilarious. It's about a family who has a lot of money and then through a weird circumstance, they lose it and they're living in this teeny tiny town and and that, which everyone's probably knows about already. And somehow I'm just catching up to. But I if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. I've only seen half half of like the first episode and everybody always talks about it. So that'll be one on the list. It's great. And I love okay. a 20 minutes to come. I just do. It's like, I just need uh, 20 minutes to be. Is that all it is? Yes. That's helpful. And you get to swear on purpose. Yes, exactly. I mean, <laughs> what, what's not to win? I just want to give a shout out. I feel like parents need to know about this if they don't. Please. If you if your children are into the, the Scooby Doo franchise, <laughs> which is wow. very hit or miss, 
Uh, I just want to put a shout out to the series Be Cool Scooby-Doo, which is hilarious. It's very sarcastic. Daphne, who is like ridiculous in every other series, is just hilarious. My favorite character in any cartoon, perhaps. Um, so there wow. you go. that's my shout out. Thank shout you. Out. Shout out to Scooby-Doo. And it is significantly less racist than the ones from the 60s. Oh, that's always a good thing. Or 70s? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anytime you pull up any old show, it's like, oh, wow, that's sexist. That's racist. That's terrible. Yes. Be cool, Scooby-Doo. I recently, I can't remember if I talked about it on the show when I started it, but I don't think I did. So I'm going to bring it up now, which is my partner and I watched Lower Decks, which is the adult cartoon of Star Trek, like a Star Trek offshoot that's a cartoon. And so it was a lot of fun. It was like 10 episodes was the first season. I think the second season just started airing on TV. So I'm probably going to have to wait a bit to see the second season because I don't want to pay for CBS All Access just for one show. So we'll wait for the library to get it. But we that's go. how we watched the first season. And it was one of those that like we watched the last episode and I was like, that was it? There's not more. It's like, and I haven't felt that way in a while. I probably haven't felt that way since we have finished Umbrella Academy. As I was like, wait, that's it? When's the next season coming out? But yeah, so it was like a lot of fun. If you, if anyone has been a longtime Star Trek fan of like any of the, of the iterations of Star Trek, because they make original series references, they make next gen references. So if you were a fan of Star Trek in any capacity, this show is kind of like a love letter to that. And it was it was hilarious and a ton of fun. Low, what was called? Lower Deck? Lower Decks, yeah. It was all about like this group that they, on this ship anyway, I don't know if the Enterprise is, it has this kind of hierarchy going, but the ship that they're on, everyone like in the Lower Decks are like ensigns. They're all kind of like, you know, just doing the grunt work of the everyday to make the ship run, but they don't get a lot of recognition. Some of them are happy about that. They don't want to be in the spotlight. Others of them are like, I just want to get promoted or... or I mean, geez, you're on the Enterprise. They're not. They're on their Cerritos. Oh, okay. They're always making jokes about, like, ships that are more fancy and important than their ship. Their ship is... Their specialty is second contacts. So other more important ships in Starfleet make first contacts, and then they go in and they make second contact, which is basically where you, like really start to put the groundwork in of, of connecting with a, with an alien civilization. Huh. Oh, one other thing, music related. We watched, my partner, a couple of episodes of, I think it's This Is Pop, which is on Netflix, which goes down like in kind of like rabbit holes around different kind of issues within pop. So for like one of them, it's around like how country pop crossover started, which is like a genre of music I don't really care about, but I find fascinating. <laughs> and then like talking about... Oh, around like how this, you know, Max Martin, who wrote like all the Backstreet Boys and like, you know, Britney Spears stuff, like how how all the Swedish writers became a thing. Anyway, it's fascinating. So it's on Netflix. Awesome. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. online archive featuring keyword searchable local historical newspapers, including the Cranston Herald, is now available online to Cranston Public Library cardholders. The archive includes documents from 1885 to 1977. Additional newspaper archives from 1977 to 2016 are available separately from inside the library only. This archive is brought to you by Advantage Preservation and funded by the Champlin Foundation. Visit cranstonlibrary.org slash databases to find out more. Looking for another way to keep up with what's going on at the Cranston Public Library? Sign up for our email newsletter. You'll be among the first to learn about upcoming programs for kids, teens, and adults, and new services and collections coming to your library. Subscribe at cranstonlibrary.org. So I want to have enough time to talk about the Rhode Island music scene. So uh, why don't we start off with, Sean, do you want to talk a little bit more about what you do with U-Rock School of Music? I would love to. U-Rock School of Music, we are located right across the street from William Hall Library at 1802 Broad Street. And 
our mission statement is to make music a bigger part of your life. And we can do that in a little capacity or a big capacity to people that dive really deep. We have lessons and classes for all ages, kids, teens, and adults. Our adult community is the most gratifying part of the job because they've spent a lifetime thinking they can't play. But for 10 minutes of playing guitar, like you can do a couple of things. It's like not that hard. And I love that. But the, the goal of our school is to not be in classes. The goal is to get in bands because that's where the bonding happens. That's where the fun stuff is. So we have an amazing staff and we have an amazing place. Part of our mission is we're trying to get parents to play, like actively play now. They used to bring their kids, but after a while I was figuring it out, they were all there for them because they have a lifetime of appreciating music and having favorite bands. And, oh, I played a little guitar in high school. And it's like, yeah, let's keep going. You're allowed to keep playing. Let's go. So that is a, a mission of mine. So I started uh, this website called getyourkidstorock.com. And parents can download a free tutorial where I teach them how to play a little bit of each of the instruments we, we teach. They just have to know a little bit more than their kid. And then you get your kids started. Then you just keep learning a little more than them. If you want them to eat their vegetables and to be a good person, to clean their room and use nice words, you, you can't go around swearing, shoving McDonald's down your face. Like you have to be the example. So that's after 10 years of teaching and like thousands of hours and thousands of students, it's it's fun having like a, a, a mission of what we're about. So the mission is to get in a band because it's, the, I think, the most fun you can have playing music. Most of the time you're going to be practicing by yourself. But once in a while you get band practice, hopefully a lot. And then once in a while you get a show, but hopefully a lot. You know, whatever you... Whatever you want. I didn't realize that you had adult classes, but I think that's fantastic because I I know, so I play the ukulele and I partially play the ukulele for work. Like I partially started playing because it's a great addition to story time. And that's sometimes the only time that I will pick up the uke that week or... And that's okay. Yeah, but, but it's been great because it keeps me at least doing it a little bit. But I also did it because I, so I've been... Voice was my first love and my first instrument. Uh, I was in chorus from sixth grade to 12th grade. But I always was like kind of jealous of people who could play an instrument and like accompany themselves. Like I always felt so dependent on like other people's accompaniment um, in order to like properly make music. And then I talked to some people who played the ukulele and they're like, yeah, it's super easy. You learn like four or five chords and you can play all these different songs. And that has been my experience and it's been wonderful because I've I've tried to play guitar before when I was young and, and gave up on that. But the ukulele was like so much easier for me to enter into. But yeah, just all these people who feel like, well, like I was able, I'm in a very interesting circumstance where I was able to make it work related. I feel like a lot of times we feel like, you know, if we're not making money on it or doing something productive with a skill or a hobby or whatever that, or or even just like perfecting it that we can't do it and it's not worth our time to invest in. So I think it's great that you're encouraging people to be like, yeah, if you want to do it, it's not too late to do it. And however much you want to do it and however much you want to be involved is perfect. You know what? Thank you. That's that's nice. Have you read the book Atomic Habits mm-hmm. by James Clear? James Clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen the cover in the it library, but I've never read it. Life-changing. The first the opening chapter is really intense. But the point of the book is things don't happen quickly. And I get this guy's weekly email and it's great, but adding little habits, like stacking them to habits you already have, or you can be whoever you want. It's just a collection of your habits. So people that say, oh, I can't play drums. I hear that like every day. Oh, I can never play guitar. It's like, all right, every time you're cooking dinner, keep a drum pad and like do this for five minutes a day. Or I had one student keep the drum pad and some sticks in the shower. So while the shower is heating up, just do a little bit. And then they get a drum set and like, you know, then you start making time. I have a, I'm playing a wedding in two weeks and there's four or five songs I had to learn for it. And I just started practicing today, but I've been doing like two weeks of just only listening to these five songs. Like I don't listen to not listening to any podcasts, not listening to anything else. So I just, just listening but that counts, like the way audiobooks count. People say, oh, I didn't pr- practice as much as I want to. That, this, nobody cares how much you practice. 
I don't care how much you read. Like, if you like something, you should do it. Yeah, well, I think part of it, it has to do with the demystification of this too, right? So like the thing you're saying where it's like, oh, really? I just have to learn these like two chords and I can play my favorite Nirvana song or whatever. Like people are just like, their brain, you're like, oh, I can play this one drum beat and it's every every ACDC song. Oh, like it's just like your brain explodes because people just want to make it feel exclusive so they can have power over it. And you're like, oh, actually, it's just really easy. And every punk song, not every punk song, but like a lot of punk songs are not. Most of them. That's the point. Anybody, like the Ramones. It's like, yeah, they're not the best like technical musicians, but it's not. When people think that it's a best or any sort of competition in music, then kind of missing the point. Yeah, it's about self-expression and like having fun and like, you know, bonding with your friends and whatever, you know, like, yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be about being perfect. Yeah, it's like another thing you can do with your time. You can read, you can cook, you can sleep, you can jam, you can take pictures, you can exercise. It's just another thing you do. And uh, like you and I like doing that a lot. So we put more time into it. Some people that like making stuff out of wood become carpenters or you know, do what you want. There's a book that I read and I cannot remember the name of it right now, but it's something about like the science of learning an instrument. And the book basically talks about like this guy who was like a neurologist and he learned, he was like, I'm learning how to play guitar. And then so he dove into the difference or about like learning generally, but like learning a new skill and compared it like being a kid versus an adult. And it's like, at, you know, as a kid, you might pick it up faster, but as an adult, you integrate it into all of your other knowledge faster so that you can use it, which is, I think, cool, right? Yeah. And adults have better kinesthetic intelligence. They can mm-hmm. control their body easier than like a, a five-year-old who can't even get her hand around the guitar. If you want to play, play. People like, I, I can't, I have some students in their 70s. Like, like I've always wanted to play drums. Like, all right. Sit behind the drums. Just let's start now. There's a saying, uh, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Now. Just start now. Now I'm preaching. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, to navigate away from the preaching a little bit. So, Hillary, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience in the in the Rhode Island music teaching scene with uh, with Riot Rhode Island, or some people might know it formally as Girls Rock Rhode Island. Yeah, so uh, Girls Rock Rhode Island, or Riot's mission is to help girls, women, trans, and non-binary folks empower themselves through music. And the way that that functions is through many programs. Most folks know this from the camp, where folks come, they learn an instrument, they join a band, and they write an original song in five days. And so similar to some of the work that UROC's doing, it's like you're coming in, and many times like folks are coming in, they've never played an instrument instrument before, and then on the last day, they're playing a song live with people they've never met before on an instrument they never played, which is bonkers. And they're so pumped. Yeah, they're so you, pumped. You make them so happy. <laughs> we try to do our best to create a fun environment there. And it's like a supportive environment. Um, and uh, within that, so it's not just the music component. There's also this other workshop component where folks are um, taking workshops. And, you know, we also have a youth and adult camp. At both camps, you're learning things like you'll take workshops on privilege and oppression, on relational aggression, on healthy relationships, on all of these other topics that sort of like create this space where you can feel comfortable expressing yourself the way that you want to, whatever that might look like. So that's kind of the the goal of, of that space is to basically like whatever barriers you might feel like exist outside of that space into creating music or being expressive where it's like, People are really oftentimes like, I don't know if I can do it. I feel scared getting myself out there. I've had like people tell me I can't do this for years. Like you're saying, like I've been told, like I was told I had to play the flute so I can't play the drums or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. And so creating space where folks can do that. So that's Riot. And I stepped down about two years ago now, but it's still very important to me and they're doing a great job with it, even remotely. So. They'll be, I think, doing some fall programming as well. And I think also if you want to join a band, they're they're also doing a battle of the patriarchy is what it's called. But basically they put you into band. They, you say what instrument you want to play. They'll put you in a band. You write a couple songs or do some cover songs and you perform it. I think it's like the October 30th or something. So that's that's available. But so with the current work that I'm doing, so I, I have a podcast called Midriff where I talk to folks about gender music and music year and a lot of like people talking about their experiences and challenges that they've had, you know, as musicians 
either like just playing out in the world or as like related to actually acquiring music gear, because <laughs> that's something that I think is interesting and I care about. And then, you know, the, the, the way that my the consulting work that I do is connected to that is basically like we'd get a lot of feedback that people would leave camp at Riot and they would be like, oh, it feels like, you know, I was in this bubble and now I'm like out in the world and I felt so supported and nice and everybody was like, you know, cheering me on. And now I'm out in the world, whether it's at my workplace or wherever. And I don't have that feeling. And I, I guess for me, I wanted to help create that feeling when people where when people went out in the world. So um, in workplaces specifically, you know, in, in places related to music. So that's kind of the work that I'm doing now. Awesome. So Hillary, you touched a little bit on on Riot having to switch to remote Mm -hmm. um, activities and things like that. So if both of you wanted to talk a little bit about how not to, not to get too down. I hopefully, I hopefully there's like a shining beam of light in, in the, in all the downer of this, but how the pandemic affected the work that you do and, and making music and the music scene and any or all of that you want to touch Mm -hmm. on is great. Well, (laughs) I'll say that it was like Toys R Us as a business Toys R Us did not adjust to the times and they went out of business. But it's not like kids don't have toys anymore. It's just a different model. We were like forced to change. Like, all right, you don't don't switch to online, then you have no income, no cash flow, no business. So we got Zoom and do do the membership and we were able to keep our entire staff on pay the whole time and nobody lost any money. And thank you. They were super flexible and did a great job learning, you know, like, like all the teachers everywhere. My wife's a teacher and she figured it out. Teaching five-year-olds is not easy on Zoom. It wasn't like that bad, but it did force us to be able to reach more people. So now I have students that are not within like a seven mile radius because Rhode Island just don't want to travel more than 15 minutes. Hmm. So that was cool. And we also, the space we rent from, they had a thrift store underneath where we are located and we took over the lease on that and converted it into a recording studio. So we have a podcast room. We have a tracking room, a control room, and a vocal room. And we can live stream socially distant from there. So everybody can be in their own space and all hear and, and see with the video system we have. So we can have bands create content. And if we ever go into some sort of lockdown again, Everybody knows that we're not stopping playing. This is when we need it the most. Can you imagine not having a guitar during lockdown? How can you not play guitar? Just come on, play guitar. That's how uh, pandemic, all this stuff has affected us. But people are coming back now. We're about to start the new school year. And a lot of, I'd say most parents and kids are extremely grateful to have the opportunity to play music with other people. It means more now. And now that gigs are coming back, like I'm playing more weddings or play at the Edgewood Yacht Club, the Rhode Island Yacht Club, different places that need acoustic music. And everybody's just so thankful, like even more than they were before. Like, oh, thanks for playing. It's like, ah, thanks for listening. This is great. (laughs) I love it. So that's how the pandemic affected you, Rock School Music, and me as a solo performer. So... For Riot, I, you know, as someone who's been pulled back from there, um, they've been doing a lot of online programming and that's been a lot of it. But I think also just being like, you know what? It's okay to like take a minute and take a break and like actually use this energy to do some sort of internal work. And I think that's really smart as well. So they've been doing that. For me, I sort of had just started doing this consulting work, um, a lot of which is like trainings, right? So it's like, normally I would have done those in person, but I ended up doing them virtually. And I think it was great. And it allowed me to like, be able to do trainings with folks in like, you know, and, you know, I did some trainings, for example, with folks in Ohio, like Akron, Ohio, and then, but I didn't have to go there. But then when things opened up in June, I was like, oh, I can go I can go there now. And so I got to meet all the people in person that I had done trainings with and virtually. Oh, cool. So it's like, you know, it's nice to have both options. And I think that they both have their places, but it's, I don't know that I would have gotten into it as much if, if that had not been the case. I was going to say that you said they both had their place and yeah. yeah, we were forced into doing it. And now it's like, in person seems to always be better, but this is way easier. Something like we're not together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was also teaching at RISD when the lockdown happened. So did that that whole transition and then taught another class fully lockdown um, or fully virtual. So that's that's been fun. But then 
also like spending a lot of time in my basement by myself because our band hasn't been playing because, <laughs> you know, like we both had, you know, with this tiny practice space and we both have kids in different schools and didn't feel comfortable playing in the same place. So uh, I spent a lot of time in my basement playing music. Did you practice. write write songs? I wrote a lot, a lot, a lot. And I also learned, I tried to hone in on my recording skills a lot too, which was great. So awesome. you have a home, stu home studio? Kind of. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's here, but it is, um, not, it's not super fancy. I can do, I could do it though. Yeah. All you need is a laptop and a not Bluetooth. Got, got, got that focus right. You know, I'm ready to go. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. It's been good for me because part of the thing, like I've been one of the things that I sort of have been doing that's been a fun thing during lockdown is I've been like recording these little riffs and then putting them on my like Instagram page or whatever. And that's been a fun thing just to like try and practice new different sounds that way, which has been fun and practice different recording techniques, which is. Yeah, fun. that I got into TikTok. I have oh, a thank you. Yeah, you rock school of music, TikTok, check it out. <laughs> and it's one minute videos where I'll play with a student or one of our staff and we just do like a verse and a chorus and then you're done. Right. It's like you don't even have to do the whole song. Nobody wants yeah. more than a minute anyway. Come on. You don't want to hear me no, play for an don't. hour. No one wants that. No one wants one minute. Done. One minute is all anyone ever wants. That's and if you want more, like, follow, all that <laughs> hullabaloo. But <laughs> one minute is nice. But Hilly, I was curious, were you making your podcast before the, the pandemic happened, or was that a thing that came out of it? You know, I started it actually right before the I started in January 2020 and then and I was doing that all virtually already, so that was fine. But it was, um, but it was nice to be able to like talk to people, you know, <laughs> even virtually during that time. So, yeah, I would love to. I have a podcast, and would love to have you be a guest on my podcast. Whoa! It's called the that. Rock School of Music Podcast. So many podcasts. It's like podcast on podcast <laughs> on podcast. Everyone listening isn't getting this view, but I have to ask because I've been looking at it this whole time. But Sean has a bunch of instruments behind him. Are you at you you rock, you rock school? Yeah, I'm always at you okay. rock school of music. I am in the guitar room, as you can see. Okay. Yeah. Because I was curious, like, I, I how moved. many of those you could play? I can play them all. Well, not this oh, one. Wow. This one only somebody just donated, and it has two rusty strings. <laughs> but I got to fix that. Oh one. boy. But people donate. Okay. Maybe somebody listening can help with this. People donate instruments to me all of the time, and then I donate them to people who need it. But there's got to be an app for this. It's got to be like a Craigslist of unused instruments where people don't want money for them. They just want somebody to play them because there's a lot of basement drum sets that are just sitting there. And the family would like to have the room, but like don't because it's like a $300 drum set or something. It's not like this crazy expensive like one. Tinder for instruments? Yes, Tin, tin, tin instruments or something there. <laughs> There's got to be a way other than me doing it one by one. People offer me pianos monthly. Baby grants. I'm like, so well, many I, pianos. We would get so many pianos all the time. Yeah. Why? There's so, pianos, drum sets, old guitars just sitting there. Come on. Play them or get rid of them. Marie, Con <laughs> Marie Kondo it and get it out of your life. <laughs> They take Thank up a it lot of for its time and the music that it, you made with it and then let it go. I just threw out a box this big, you know, a, a, a huge box of my solo CD that I made when I'm in my 20s. And I'm like, I've been, I'm, I just moved this week, every possession I have. And I'm like, this box has been sitting in my basement for 11 years. I don't even have a way of playing a CD in my house. <laughs> Nobody's buying CD. And I threw it in the dumpster and it was like, felt great. Oh, great. I threw up my own CD that I worked so hard on and, like, spent money dressing. I hope you kept, like, two for possible. I, I kept a, a solo box, but I okay. threw the big one out. I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to sell these. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not even, like, psyched on the song. So why am I carrying this huge thing around? So is there anything else that either of you want our listeners to know about the work you do or music and the music scene in Rhode Island in general? basically anything we missed the work we do I, I like how Hillary is it's pretty not niche but it's it's uh it's pretty specific the aspects of life you're trying to improve I think that's really great I feel like your rock is doing that it's just like a different specific just getting people to feel empowered enough that they can do this and that will lead to whatever else and if I could be frank the way I think of it in my head when you're playing music you're not being a Granted, you can argue there's probably some 
hate fans out there. But like Gigi Allen situation or. Well, yeah, if you're not like cutting yourself up or puke, but whatever. I've seen so many crazy shows and things done on stage, but it's always in a, a positive way or like getting punched in the face in a mosh pit. Like, you know what you're getting into, but it's all positive. Even like even really aggressive hardcore music is positive at its roots. So when you're playing music, you're not being a So play music. And that's my personal way of making the world a better place. I don't have passion for a lot of other things, but this is my passion. Like, and like your passion for books and your passion for equality and other people's passion. That's what makes the world special is we're, we're not all not into the same thing. So, and I, I like that. Um, when I first moved into the Edgewood area, like immediately meeting Hillary and being like, I'm so grateful to be around other people with the same mission or a similar mission. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's nice because we do live very close to each other. So being able to just pop over and see like you rock performances, just like at the library or at the park or whatever. And then and everybody who's there is always super psyched, which is awesome. So, and you know, the broader, Rhode Island music community is is great and there's just every genre you could ever want is available to you and because we're so small I feel like oftentimes in bigger cities things get more uh, segmented and I think here there that's less less the case which is nice so I was gonna say how about when people say to you there's no good music today and you're talking about right now all these genres and all these <laughs> things it's like when people say there's no good music today that is like the most it's so sad it's so close-minded and that you don't, like all we're doing is getting people to play music. You don't think there's 35,000 songs uploaded to Spotify daily. You're telling me you can't find one you like? <laughs> but somehow in, in the late 70s, that was the only time music was created by this group from England. People don't, people, there's been research, I think that shows that people don't actually have new bands that they like after the age of 25 or something. And it's like- wow. People just, I think it's like your brain shuts off. It's like, I'm done creating neurons around like new bands that I like. I'm not, there's no space left to occupy it. I don't know what it is, but like people just like, you're like, I liked the Pixies in college, the end. Like, that's it. You know, like they don't go, they're like, I'm not going anymore. That's it. Like uh, not even gi giving Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish a chance where they're right. like, some of those songs are so good. Right. It's right. like, uh, uh, there's a good saying, minds are like parachutes. They only work when open. I was a skydiver for 10 years, so it's like, I heard that one a lot. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm glad I know that I beat the, I beat the cutoff of not listening to music. Like, I worked through the cutoff of not listening to new music and continued past the age of 25. So that makes me feel like I'm all set now and it'll be like a lifelong You're habit. all set. Now you got to just start playing. <laughs> now you need to play. Yeah. We can fix um. that. You're doing it. That's the thing about the ukulele. It's like, it's a good gateway. It's a good gateway instrument. And the ukulele's fun and in your room by yourself. But like, if you have a band, then people are counting on you to learn your part. And then every three months, you learn like three songs and you perform them for a, an hour a week band practice. It's not like a crazy commitment. But then you play a show. Oh my God, that was the best night. We did it. We, did the, we got the bridge right. And we did all the stuff. It's like, yeah, shows are awesome. That's why we love rock and roll. Like, because shows are the best. It's true. I oftentimes say like, I never feel more powerful as an individual person in the world than after performing. It's very much like landing after a skydive. It's a very similar feeling from my experience. I have about a thousand skydives. Played over, I did over a thousand shows with, I was in a Scott punk band called Big D in the kids table and we did a ton of shows and they're still playing, but uh, just playing shows, shows are the, in my opinion, that's the best. It doesn't get better. Whether it's a solo show or with your buddies or your family, play some shows. They're fun. Go to, go to a show. That's just as much fun. Hey, you don't have to do anything. Just dance. I know I've been really meaning to go to some shows now that shows are happening again. I got to just do it. You know, you see things and then you're like, that would be fun. I, and you just... That happened to me Saturday night. I, I didn't go. I haven't gone out <laughs> to any shows yet either. So I'm with you, but I want to. It's coming. Coming. So we end the show with a segment I call The Last Chapter, where we talk about a library or bookish related question, just to chat about it for a little bit and give our thoughts. So 
this week, I thought I would ask you both, is there any books that you weren't able to finish and why not? Jeez. That can be like school. I know some minor school assignments that it's like, just can't bring myself to finish the school assignment. Oh, or... that was like all school assignments. <laughs> okay. My wife always says to me, she's like, we would have not gotten along in, in high school. I was like, <laughs> no way. All I wanted to do was play guitar. I was like, I don't want to learn geometry. I was like, get <laughs> out of here. I want to play guitar. I can't think of any book that I have not finished that I want to finish. If I stop it, I'm like, this book sucks. I don't want to read it anymore. No, that's fine. That's that's kind of what I meant by a question. This question is like a book that like was not you thought was going to be your jam, but was not your jam. I don't have any. I don't know. I don't think that's a terrible answer. I don't think I have any. Maybe I'm lucky. I feel like my answer is... uh, I feel like all of my answers have been really dark. So I'm trying to think of another one that's not. But, but the only one I can think of is the book, uh, The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. Someone had recommended to me. And then there's this moment that there's this like very intense thing that happens to a small child. And after that, I couldn't read it anymore. I was like, this is too much. I'm done. <laughs> so after uh, all the dark rec- book recommendations I've had, I couldn't finish this one because it was too dark. That's good that you had a limit. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, everyone has their things. I've talked about it on the show before, but mine is Moby Dick. I And that uh, was for a school assignment. And I just, it was just such a slog. I never read Moby Dick. It was never an assignment for us. And I, I don't know that I would select it, though. I know people do the readings over in New Bedford every year. I have never been, but. Yeah. The first half I was like kind of into. It was like an assignment for a college class. And I was like kind of into because my professor's like, hey, Certain people have read this book and thought that maybe like Queequeg and Ishmael like had a thing together. Like if you look through queer theory lens and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm into this. That's cool. But then our interesting (laughs) queer theory lens conversations about the book stopped because Herman Melville decided that we needed multiple chapters of whale facts. Mm. It's like, let me just pause the story for a hot second to tell you all these facts about whales. And I was just like, we didn't ask for this. Wow. We didn't ask wow. for this, Herman. Yeah. Moby Dick, two thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> but I know I know there's people who love it. I know it's a rich vein for literary criticism. It was just, and I was an English major, so I read a lot of things that were, a lot of people would think were boring slogs, but like, I love Shakespeare. I'm, I'm not afraid to like dig in and, and think critically about a book, but it was just. It's that's life though. It's it the was, same thing. Like nobody's going to like every book. It's like, what is what Hillary you said you didn't like the uh, like country hip hop or something was it pop country I think is not pop generally, country not generally yeah. my jam that's all yeah you know what I can't stand musicals I said it oh but you gotta like Hamilton it's different no I don't like Hamilton I like plays I went to the Globe Theater and saw Shakespeare Macbeth jealous and I like music I've been to thousand shows but I don't want them together I just don't need them <laughs> it's like Aus- Australians don't like the peanut butter chocolate combination it's like what. What? This is new information to me. Every Australian friend I have said, they're like, oh, we don't, we don't have that. It's not like a thing. Maybe it is now. But since we're so much more connected. But you don't have to like Moby Dick. And like when people give you, give you grief about who your favorite band is or, or liking a song, I think that's just such baloney. Like, I can like whoever the hell I want to like. And I don't like fish. I don't eat fish. I want to because it's good for you. I was a vegetarian for 20 years and now eat meat based on all of my reading on biochemistry. And it's a big part of what I read is about nutrition and everything's fish, fish, fish. It's like, I think it's gross. I don't want to really eat it. So you don't in have a, to eat it. In a, a girl's rock camp language, that's usually referred to as don't yuck my yum. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, don't yuck, don't yuck someone's yum. That's it. They're into it. That's cool. Yeah. Don't be a party pooper. I think that's a great a great message to leave off on. But before we wrap up, wrap up one last one last moment for shameless plugs. I love shameless so. plugs. I'll start. I have a few for the listeners. The first one I mentioned is getyourkidstorock.com. You can download a free parent tutorial that will teach you how to play a little bit of guitar, a little bit of piano, a little bit of ukulele, and a little bit of drums. The other website is called songwritingsecretsexposed.com and that is a free pdf download of the ebook the songwriting system ebook that i wrote for you rock school of music at the beginning of the pandemic so 
it was like if if people are not writing songs, like Hillary has her system and knows how to check off the boxes and create a certain amount of content. So it's a song, but you know it needs a rhythm, it needs it needs chords. You need a verse, you need a melody, you know, lyrics and melody. You don't need a verse; it can just be a chorus, whatever. But those are two free downloads that people can get. And the other two plugs are my I'm a musician and my music is on all streaming platforms under Sean P. Rogan. I've released a couple new songs that I've recorded during the pandemic. And the other is urockschoolmusic.com. That's where we can help you play music. Oh, and urockstudios.biz. That's the studio underneath the school. That's five dot plugs. That's I love plugs. that you went dot biz. Yeah. <laughs> Change it up. Uh, the other one was taken. Fair. But I'm not changing. So urockstudios.biz. You got any plugs there, Hillary? Yeah. So if you are interested in uh, learning about Riot Rhode Island, it's riotri.org. And you can also find them on Instagram and Facebook. Maybe they have a TikTok now. I don't know. Uh, so if you are interested in learning more about the the work that I do around um, consulting, around gender equity, diversity, workplace culture, anything related to that, I mostly work in music-related spaces, but I also work in some other spaces too. HillaryBJones.com. I have a lot of like blogs and things related to that. And then um, if you're interested in my podcast, Midriff, that is also available on my website or on Instagram at Midriff Podcast. All right. Fantastic. We will shove as many links as we can fit in the character limit of the show notes. <laughs> so look down in the show notes for more information about all of that. But thank you both for joining me for this wonderful conversation. And thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like to reach out to he us here at Downtime, you can do that by emailing us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. And you can now also reach out to us via social media with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. If you're feeling generous and you like what you heard here, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show. And thank you again for listening. And this has been another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a project of the Cranston Public Library and is produced by Zach Berger, Martha Boxenbaum, Robin Nizio, and me, Taylor Cardillo. Audio engineering by Dave Bartos. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza, and our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. Remember to rate and review Downtime on Apple Podcasts, connect with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the hashtag DowntimeCPL, and if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, send an email to downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. Join us next week for more Downtime. Cranston! <laughs> <laughs>